So a couple of years back, uh, one of the sisters in my community asked me to come over. She said she was having awful trouble with her email, that uh, she couldn't send emails. And so I went over and I said, OK, just show, show me what the problem is, show me what you're doing. So she would put in the email address and then she just, I just said, just, just type test. It doesn't matter, test in the subject bar, test in the, in the content, and then you know, do whatever you do and we'll, we'll see, we'll see what ha what's happening, what error message is coming up. And I saw that after she was typing the message, she wasn't hitting the right button. She wasn't hitting send. She was sending it to drafts somehow. So she was sending it to a draft folder. Then I opened the draft folder and saw, well, close on maybe 40 of the same email. Now, especially with computers, if you do the same thing three times and it doesn't work, what's going to happen the fourth time? <laughs> it's not going to work. What's going to happen the tenth time? It's not going to work. What's going to happen... The 20th time, you need to be admitted <laughs> because the definition of insanity is to do the same thing with, you know, the same thing and expect a different outcome. You do the same thing, it's a bad outcome. You do the same thing and you get the same outcome. You do the same thing a third time, what's going to happen, right? And yet, in our, in our walk with the Lord, very, very often, we do the same thing and, and really hope for a different outcome. And we do the same thing and hope for a different outcome, and the same thing. And why is it that things don't change? <laughs> why is it that, that, that my life seems to keep going the same direction, and I, I, I still have the, the same problems and the same issues? I think we have to look at, at what choices we're making and see how often am I choosing something that I know isn't going to work, and then I'm surprised at the outcome, even though it's been that way for 50 years. You know, so often... We, we, we choose something that we know is a compromise. By the way, uh, even that word compromise, uh, maybe it's just me, I don't know. Uh, the word compromise is, it seems to, be, to often be used in, in contemporary vocabulary as a good thing. Uh, maybe like in marriage, you know, there's a husband and wife and they both have different ideas so they have to come to a compromise. Um, yeah. Compromise, uh, to me, sounds like a negative thing. As in, a compromise, if, if something is right, it's right. If something is wrong, it's wrong. You don't make a compromise. Like, you know, I don't like abortion, but we'll, we'll allow it on some occasions. Make a compromise. No, if something is, is wrong, it's, it's wrong. End of story. If something is right, then, then let's do it. If, if there's a situation in a marriage where there are two differences of opinion, that's not necessarily a compromise. That's just you, because you love someone, making a decision out of love to do what they want to do. It's not necessarily a compromise because you, you, know, you can't necessarily do both things. You've got, I want to go to holidays in Spain, I want to go to holidays in Ballybunion. We all know Ballybunion is better. But, <laughs> but, um, so we, you, you can't compromise there. You can't go for three days to Ballybunion and three days to Spain because then that's two holidays. That, that's not a compromise. Like, you can't. It's one or the other. So someone has to set the pace of self-giving love and say, I renounce my will in favor of yours. That's not a compromise. That's... that's Loving someone more than your loving someone else more than your own will, that's way better than compromise. So, so yeah, com when it compromise, when it comes to the truth, when it comes to good things, you never compromise. You never compromise with, with, with if, if something, if God has asked us to do something, I can't compromise with that and kind of half give. If, if 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 something is good and needs to be done, if there's a truth that needs to be defended, you can't half defend it. You, you can't you can't compromise. Now, that's not to say we have to, you know, wield our, our, our truth like a sledgehammer and just bust into people's lives and other people's opinions and other people's stance on things. Of course not. But we don't compromise with the truth because we love. 
because we love. But maybe that's a topic for another day. Today in our first reading, it's just a beautiful reading from the book of Joshua. It's because it's, I like, I like seeing people speak with conviction about the faith. Right? And if someone says, yeah, you know, I believe in, in, in God, but like, you know, I, would, I don't want to you know, force that on you or anything. You know what I mean? I mean it's, it's okay. Like, I mean, if you don't believe, that's okay. I mean, if, if, you have, if you're an atheist, if you're a Buddhist, if you've no faith at all, if you've never been to church, I mean, it's fine. I'm fine with that. I'm not judging you. It's okay. What are you apologizing for? You know? I'm a Spurs fan. I'm sorry, I mean, if you believe in, you know, if you think Chelsea are better or, or Man City, Man United, I mean, I have no problem. If you actually don't like English soccer at all, maybe if you're, if you're more like for the, the leg, I, 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 whatever, I don't mind. It's, it's okay. Like, what, what on earth are you blabbering about? If you like Chelsea, if you like Spurs, stop apologizing. Learn your stats. Defend them. They were amazing in the 40s. <laughs> okay. <laughs> whatever it was. Like, defend your position. Know, know, know why your team is, know why you follow your team. And off you go. You don't, like, with soccer, with, with our, our counties, if you're from, God help us, like if you're from someplace like Longford or Roscommon, who've won nothing since ever. Um, you know, but, like, they'll still find a way of defending their county somehow. So why, why is it that as soon as we, we, we speak about faith or God, there seems there's this tendency to kind of immediately kind of take the back foot and say, I'm okay if, you're, if you disagree. Whoa, I love my faith. Makes me happy. And that's the wonderful thing about a, a personal testimony as well. If you say, you know, my, my faith has helped my marriage, no one can say to you, well, no, it hasn't. Well, it has, and it's my marriage, so how would you know? <laughs> if, you can, if you say, my faith has helped me when my mom died, when my dad died, when I was diagnosed with cancer, my faith carried me through, no one can say, no, it didn't. No one can disagree with you, because it's your experience. So you don't have nothing to apologize for. You know, my faith has been a blessing in my life. Ah, that's all made up stuff. Well, it helped me. And my faith with, you know, my relationship with Jesus, it helps me here, and I believe it's going to help me for all eternity. It's going to make me happy for all eternity. And then just, what's there to apologize for? Nothing. So when people speak with confidence, and again, not arrogance, not triumphalism, but just with confidence about their faith. I mean, I remember one of the first times I said this in a homily, and I kind of surprised myself when I said it. I just said, I love being a priest. People came to me afterwards and said, Father, I just looked at this amazing when you said that. And I thought, should that really be common for priests to say, I love being a priest? For mothers to say, oh, I love being a mother. For dads to say, I love being a dad. You know, engineers, I love my work. I love being a nurse. It should be kind of normal for us to say these things, but I love being Catholic. I love, I love going to Mass. I, love, I look forward to the Holy Hour. I look forward to the next time I get to go to adoration. Why not? <laughs> we tend not to speak positively about these things. And I think, not because we don't think it necessarily, but we think we just, I don't know, we're a bit shy, a bit timid about appearing too holy. You know, why do we why do, we do that? So when people speak confidently about their faith, I love it, and I often find it kind of surprising and refreshing and kind of a reminder to me that, yeah, this is, this is the way we should speak about the Lord because I have a relationship with him. I know him. He knows me. This relationship has, has profoundly, radically changed my life. Obviously, for me as, as a priest, but for yourselves as well as lay people, like the Lord, your walk with the Lord radically changes your life. Radically. That means r- r- radically the root. The root of radically is root. 
radici means is the root. So to rad a radical change means a change from the roots up. So our walk with the Lord changes our relationship, changes our life from the roots, not just from the you know the the the, the, the foliage, the, the visible bit, but from the roots. They're the bit stuck in the dirt, as the Americans would say, so stuck in the soil, stuck in the dung, as we might say, right? That's where the roots are. That's where God changes us, in those hidden places, those dark places, those places under the surface. So when the roots are changed, then everything else changes. Then, then the, the, the trunk, the fruit, the foliage, everything. Everything then is whole, well, more wholesome, healthier. So they cross into the Holy Land. Joshua leads the people. Moses and that generation of the Israelites didn't make it in because they grumbled so much against God. They were very hard-hearted, despite seeing miracles on a daily basis, like this miraculous manna just appearing. And it seems to be, it was kind of sweet, like coriander. It's like popcorn, right? Every day in front of their tent, wherever they would be. And the tents moved, because they moved throughout the desert. And wherever they were, that's where the manna magically appeared. And on the day before the Sabbath, there'd be, you could, you could, you could gather twice as much as, as the, the normal days, and it, it would last for, for two days. Every other day, it only lasted for one day, and would turn all maggoty if you held on to it for too long. So you couldn't store up lots. You had to re- learn to rely on God each day. And he provided each day and provided twice as much before the Sabbath so you didn't have to go work and you could still eat. What was their reaction? Wow, what a miracle. No. Where's the meat? (laughs) Where's the meat? We want meat. Remember when we were back in Egypt? We were slaves, but at least we had meat. Remember that? Yeah, all the big flesh pots. Yeah, big flesh pots. I mean, they whipped us to build our pyramids, but yeah, but we had meat. (laughs) And they longed for yesteryear when despite their slavery, they had meat. They were forgetting, you're free. Yes, you're free in a way that you're kind of forced to rely on God. But that's delivered. God is trying to teach you. Walk with me daily, and I will take care of you. I will provide for you. Just trust me. So they, rather than praying to God, God, thank you so much for the manna. It's absolutely amazing. We'd love some meat. They grumble against God. You've led us out here to die. We've nothing to eat but this unsatisfying manna. And despite that awful prayer, because it's not really a prayer, the Lord provides. And quail, which I presume is a kind of bird, like a pheasant or something, they start dropping out of the sky. And they eat the quail. Now what do they say? Yeah, stupid quail, stupid manna. We're still led out here to die in the desert. We've no water. When are you going to learn? <laughs> they keep, doing, keep making the same mistake. As soon as there's a problem, they grumble against God. They keep making the same mistake and expecting a, a different outcome. Their, hard, their hearts are hardened. They keep making that mistake of complaining against God rather than calling out to their Father. And the Lord provides everything. And they still don't trust him. So that generation do not get into the Holy Land. The next generation do, led by Joshua. And when they get in there and they, they, they live in, as we read yesterday, they live in cities that they have not built. They reap the fruits of vineyards and, and olive trees that they did not plant. Right? Everything has been provided for them. 
And then Joshua just makes this beautiful pronouncement. We have no intention of deserting the Lord and serving other gods. Was it not the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who worked those great wonders before our eyes and preserved us all along the way we traveled among all the peoples through whom we journeyed? What is more, the Lord drove out all those people before us, as well as the Amorites who used to live in this country. We too will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, says Joshua. You can do whatever you want. But as for me and my house, I recognize the deeds of the Lord and I'm going to serve him. Now he's, he's the leader. So he's hoping the people will follow suit. And they say they will. We too will serve the Lord, for he is our God. And then Joshua responds, You cannot serve the Lord because the Lord is holy. He is a jealous God who will not forgive your transgressions and your sins. If you desert the Lord to follow alien gods, he in turn will afflict and destroy you after the goodness he has shown you. The people then answered, No, it is the Lord we wish to serve. And like Joshua, Joshua he's kind of, he's a bit provocative. He's like saying, Are you sure? Because this is serious. This isn't a joke like. If you want, you can say, I want to serve the Lord, but we'll hold on to our little trinkets and our little good look charms and all of these other kind of icons or, or statues of other gods that, that they would have uh, picked up along the way from the Egyptians and from the, the pagan peoples, the Canaanites and that, who were in the Holy Land. There would, there would have been all sorts of other gods presented to them. And Joshua's saying, you can't. You can't have both. You can't sit on both stools. You either follow the Lord or you don't. You can't follow the Lord and say, and on the side, just in case God doesn't come good, we have all these other kind of gods that we can, that we can uh, pray to and make sacrifices to as well. Joshua's saying, no, no, it's one or the other. Make up your mind. What do you want? Who do you wish to serve? Because we've already tried the other gods or options. We've already tried pursuing money. <coughs> pursuing alcohol, pursuing relationships. We've already tried pursuing uh, fulfillment in all sorts of other ways. And if you're here this weekend, you're here because all those other pursuits didn't work. And if, as a nation, we were honest, of the 4.7 million of us that, that, that live in this country, I think 4.69 million would be here today recognizing that the pursuits of, of happiness in all these other places, they just don't work. They don't. They do not fulfill the deepest needs of the human heart. They don't. They can't. We weren't designed that way. Those famous words of St. Augustine, you have created us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. God, you have created us for you. And that's why nothing else is going to fit. Nothing else fully satisfies. That's not to say you can't enjoy a good meal or a nice glass of wine or a, a walk in, in, in beautiful surroundings or, or you know, the company of, of, of people that you enjoy. We can, we, can, we can and should enjoy the world around us and all the beautiful things that we've been given. Absolutely. But they're not to be put in the center. They weren't designed to fulfill us. They were actually all designed to point to the one who can. 
and that's the Lord. I'm hoping maybe to get a few days off in September, <clears throat> maybe go to the west of Ireland, <coughs> travel up along the coast, see places like County Clare and all the beauty of County Clare and the Cliffs of Moher. <clears throat> and these kind of things, especially that, if you, if you know the Cliffs of Moher there, there's one particular kind of, it's not really an island, it's just a, a jutting rock, it's fairly pointed like that, sticking up out of the sea. Like, how long did it take to carve that yoke out of solid rock? I don't know, 300,000 years? Just like, it's just, water generally is kind of soft, it's just kind of lapping away at the rock and manages to cut that thing out of solid rock. I mean, that should remind me of, of God, the creator, and the patience he has in forming and cutting an island out of rock over millions of years. Creation should remind me of God, the company of good friends, especially friends that, that, that encourage us to, to live virtuously. Right? That should remind us of God, like that God, thank God there are people like that in our lives, that 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 that. that carry us at times or, or give us example or encourage us to live a virtuous life. What a gift. So friendship reminds us of God. Or even, you know, like uh, after a busy day, one or two friends just to sit down in front of a nice open fire, a cup of tea if that's what you're into, a glass of wine if that's what you're into, and you just enjoy the company of it. And a slice of tart. <laughs> with some whipped cream. <laughs> not, uh, not, with the tart, though, not too much apple. You need a, a, the right balance of apple and, and uh, yeah, if it's too much apple, it's just too st stodgy. It's not, it wouldn't be my style. I don't know. I don't know. I, I need more pastry, kind of 50-50. I'm more of an apple crumble kind of guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but to enjoy something like that, why not? Is this sinful? No, it has taken me away from God. Absolutely not. In fact, if anything, this simple thing of good company, open fire, apple tart, reminds me of God. It makes me grateful. This isn't an obstacle to my faith. But if I, if I were to put these things into the center, that my life would be fulfilled. Well, if apple tart and, well, apple tart and wine doesn't really work. I don't know. Strawberries and wine. Um, <coughs> if, 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 if that's good one day, then we should do it every day. And if one glass of wine is good, then four bottles should be fantastic. Now you've got a problem, because now you're trying to fill this void with something that was, it was never designed to be filled with. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And you wonder why you just keep feeling empty. Or a lot of the young people we work with here in Holy Family, just that the whole the lure of Saturday night and all that kind of thing, and all that goes on then. And, and so often on Sunday, this, oh, God, I can't believe I, went, I did that again, and all that happened last night, and I, the blacking out, and... and and the mistakes and the stupid relationships and, and the waste of money and the danger and all of that. But we'll try it again Saturday. Maybe it'll be better. And I remember saying to someone relatively recently, you're 27 now. How long have you been doing this? Uh, 11 years. Okay. And when are you going to learn the lesson? When is it finally going to click that this isn't working? that this does not make you happy and that every time you're going out you're, 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 you're risking your heart and maybe even risking your life at times and it's not filling that need, that wonderful need that you have for authentic love. It's not being filled and it will never be filled. You keep doing the same thing, experiencing the same bad outcome but constantly hoping or expecting it to change. 
as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a decision you and I have to make. And that means at times that because I've decided for the Lord, I've decided to reject something else. I've decided for the Lord, and that means my yes to him means no to other things. That's the bit that I think we find difficult. My yes to him means no to other things. Like even last night, I was looking, for, looking up a, a, a video on how to change oil in a certain machine. And uh, so up comes the video, and then below it, um, up comes a suggestion of design your own AI girlfriend. I don't need an AI girlfriend, or a real girlfriend for that matter. I'm grand, thanks. But like, it's, it's, it's one of those moments where no one around. So, but as for me and my house, I've served, I choose to serve the Lord. So what do you do? So it's just, just one of those moments like this is just between me and, and, and the Lord. No one else is going to know. But because I choose to serve the Lord, it means I have to choose to reject other things. I can't do both, or now I'm compromising. Well, I'm compromising in the very negative sense. I've now said yes to the Lord and yes to sin. That's, he deserves better than that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So today, Lord, we ask you for that gift to serve you wholeheartedly, to not make compromises with all the other alternatives and options that are out there. Lord, to give you our whole heart knowing that only you will satisfy, but you will satisfy, and you do satisfy. Amen.